0: This program is brought to you by Chef's Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
2: You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show where we tell the story behind your favorite Asian dishes. I'm Linda Liu, and on the line is my co-host in Hong Kong, Iris Van Kerkhove.
3: Good morning from Hong Kong. Linda, do you know what has changed in between this week's episode and last week's episode?
2: Um, Are you talking about the time change? (laughs)
3: Yes. Daylight savings. So that means that I'm now calling and it is 8 a.m. in Hong Kong, Uh.
0: Um,
3: which, you know, it doesn't sound that early for normal people. For for someone who works dinner service, it's like my 6 a.m. Man,
2: props (laughs) to you. Props to you. Um, We also dealt with a snowstorm here yesterday, like the entire city shut down, basically.
3: I heard. I saw photos. How was it?
2: Yeah, it was nice to have a snow day. Um, but I think most of us who you know work um, in like digital, like media, still just like work from home. So until the internet goes down, um, we're all still right. just working. <laughs> uh, but it was nice snow
3: days. But I guess here in Hong Kong, we have like typhoon days occasionally.
2: <laughs> Exciting stuff. Um, So for those who are new, uh, we are broadcasting live from Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Uh, Every episode, Iris and I dig deep on an Asian dish. We trace its history and how it traveled to the West, and we interview experts on the topic.
3: Instead of talking about one dish today, we're going to be talking about some popular dishes that make up breakfast in Thailand. I'm excited about this topic because it's something I literally know nothing about. I'm like the one person in Hong Kong who has never traveled to Thailand, and it's such a popular holiday destination out here.
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to go. Um, I actually went about two years ago, and it's a total foodie destination. Um, In Bangkok, I feel like it's really hard to go anywhere without being um, swayed into a detour, basically, by all the delicious smells um, and the goodness coming from the countless street vendors. Um, So, while there's a lot more awareness about different Asian cuisines in the U.S. today than, say, 20 years ago, Asian breakfast foods are still not really discussed or appreciated as much as they could be. Even here in New York, Um, beyond dim sum, I feel like Asian breakfast is still pretty much a mystery to most. I'm even asked by friends if there's such a thing as Asian breakfast. So... Today we have Chef Yo of Pinto Garden here in the studio to tell us about Thai breakfast and brunch. Welcome to the show, Chef Yo.
4: Hi, thank you.
2: So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pinto Garden is located in the West Village and its menu is inspired by Thai cuisine and seasonal local ingredients. Chef Yo also has a second Pinto location in Brooklyn Heights. But Pinto Garden just started their brunch service last weekend, and it's divine. It's totally brunch, but it's still totally Thai. And more on that later.
3: But yeah, I totally agree with you, Linda, that there isn't a lot of awareness about Asian breakfast foods in the States. Uh, but to be honest, it's kind of the same thing here in Hong Kong. We have all kinds of Asian restaurants, but few that serve breakfast from other Asian countries, um, you know, except for Hong Kong breakfast, of course. It would be super interesting if we did a whole series on different asian countries breakfast on the show i'm really curious to see not only what uh, people traditionally eat in asia but how that's changed in the modern globalized world like i know hong kong has its own unique history and has always been quite a westernized asian city but breakfast is looking pretty american here these days with coffee cereal toast yogurt and eggs uh, Linda, why do you think that Asian breakfast foods aren't getting enough love in the West?
2: Yeah, maybe it's because the dishes are fairly simple, they're light, um, and when you introduce a new cuisine to a country or culture, you're maybe leading with some of like the flashier, heavier stuff that you know, newcomers can really gravitate to and fall in love with and not necessarily like the overly simple or humble fare. Um, and I may be completely oversimplifying this, but like personally, I feel like it's easier to eat something lighter in the morning unless like you're hungover or something. Um, and also, you know, there's some, like, ingredients that are foreign um, in breakfast foods, too. So, like, for northern Chinese breakfast that, you know, I've had growing up, you know, there's, like, pickles. It's with kanji, which has a unique texture. Um, fermented tofu sauce and, like, warm soy milk. And that's really different from, like, the classic uh, eggs and bacon that's fried up in oil. Um, and we also want to think about how... You know, Asian cultures approach uh, breakfast. It's it's different uh, to the West here. Breakfast, you know, contains similar food consumed also later in the day too, and people are totally okay with that. Iris, any thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, those are great points. I mean, the only other thing I would add to that is I, I don't know. My personal theory is that breakfast is really like a comfort meal. Like, I think that's the one meal that most people, and I could be wrong, but I think that we tend to eat the same thing every morning and we don't like to veer too far from it. So, you know, doing a completely foreign breakfast might be like, you know, we're more, we're more um, open to trying new things for lunch and dinner.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so this is going to be really interesting to get um, Chef Yo's uh, viewpoint on all of this. Um, But Chef Yo, tell us about yourself and how you ended up opening Pinto Garden.
4: Uh, Like how I opened the restaurant in New York? Yeah,
2: Yeah, like what inspired you to open the restaurant in New York?
4: Um, Here's the thing, like my background is totally not related to culinary world at all. Like I studied theater. Um, I, said, I came to New York to study theater like um, 16 years ago and during school I just had a chance to get to know the people who work in the restaurant business and I had a chance to join the team and work in the restaurant business at the time and right before I graduated I'm just like, okay, I want to um, stay longer in New York and finding a job as a director it's kind of like impossible for me mm-hmm. so I don't want to go back home yet um, and my mom came to New York visit me for the graduate, and we wow. were talking. And she saw me work in a restaurant, and I just asked her like, maybe we should do some restaurant. And she totally agreed with that because she always wanted me to do something business. Like she want, she always wanted me to get a real job <laughs> in her mind. You know, Asian <laughs> mom. Small business. Yeah, what yeah. a small business. And at that time, I just keep in my mind just okay, if I have a restaurant or any business that I can earn something. Mm-hmm. And I can go back to work in theater, yeah, and that's that the starting point that I opened Pinto ten years ago. yeah, but after time goes by, the reality is not what I expected. you know I struggle at the beginning um, for the business because I have no idea what it is. Um, so I jump into the business kind of like I have to do what I have to do.
2: Yeah, and it, sound, it sounds like you've uh, quite succeeded with two locations and you know a decade later. It's you know still popping.
4: Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, I think it's. I, I had very difficult time at the beginning for the first two years because in my mind, I always keep thinking that I want to make money in order to go to do something else. Mm-hmm. But after times go by, I just see realize that why don't I just change my perspective. Um, why don't I see the things that I already have and make it better so I see the rest, my restaurant as my own theater so I come here as a director directed all my staff as the trainer and we have a show every night so that's that's how it start for the Pinto and I think that's the energy and the way of thinking it's kind of like change the atmosphere and change and kind of like represent who I am Mm -hmm. and you know all the guests will see oh it's not just regular restaurant we have something different
2: yeah, and it's interesting that you went from like one competitive thing to another competitive thing. It is. You're like an overachiever there, um, so that's really cool. It sounds like um, you have a particular mission behind Pinto Garden to kind of serve that experience to your diners.
4: Yeah, after in the culinary world, uh, in the restaurant business for um, ten years, and. After opening, like, two, three... I used to open one in Park Slope, but they closed it, like, four years ago before I opened another one in Brooklyn Heights. So, you know, I see... Different ways of business for the restaurant. Um, I think at the end it's, it's it's exactly like theater. It depends if you want to communicate with your guests, like how you're gonna communicate with them, and um, who's is your audience. Like I have to see who's the guest who's coming to my restaurant. So the guests who coming to Pinto Garden and the guests who coming to Pinto Brooklyn Heights are totally different audience. So mm-hmm. I have to communicate them through food in different way.
2: Yeah. And how are the audiences different?
4: I mean, for the pinto in Brooklyn High it's more like a neighborhood restaurant. Um, People just know, if they get to Thai restaurant, they know what they want to get. So they're not that adventurous as the people in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might be wrong, but after a year that I opened, so I will always get feedback. There are some people who are adventurous, want to try something new. We still offer something um, totally different from the other Thai restaurant and they don't have it. Um, like a um, little in Thailand so we offer it at the Pinto in Brooklyn Heights um, people still respond to it very nicely mm-hmm. uh, but for the Pinto garden I change the menu seasonally so the entire menu will change all the time so it, it kind of like encourages people and it's kind of like fun to me and my team um, like a chef's team to explore all the ingredients and what we're going to do with all the Thai food that we're going to create it.
2: Yeah. Here. And when I was having um, brunch at your restaurant, it felt completely Thai, um, but, you know, the presentation was not.
4: I think that's that's how Pinto is always be. Like, It again, going back to how you're going to communicate with the, uh, with the guests. Like, if I open Pinto Garden in Bangkok, mm-hmm. definitely the food probably look totally different from what I'm doing right here because you know you communicate with different guests different Mm -hmm, audience mm -hmm. different kind of audience we have like the people who live in New York or the travel or anyone who wants to come to have brunch in New York um, they have their own specific like expectation to see what it is that's so true so that's how it came up like um, it's the same thing if you want to go see Broadway show mm-hmm. you know you want to see spectacular set you want to see orchestra you want to see musical you want to see movie stars you, so people have their own expectation to see mm-hmm. things it's the same with the restaurant if you go to um, certain restaurant like a fire dining restaurant you expect yeah. something if you go to uh, having food in Chinatown you're having something mm-hmm. uh, expectation so this is a thing that we try to create on, like, what are we going to say? Like, if people coming to Pinto Garden, mm-hmm. what do they expect and what are they going to get? Yeah. And that's kind of, like, a big question to Making me. Making
2: like their a, wishes come true. Something that's like you that. <laughs> um, so another interesting point you brought up was that your food is not fusion. It's, you know, yeah, like, it's honestly not. Thai, right? Yeah,
4: um, we strictly stick to the Thai authentic recipe,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, but we just use local ingredients and represent it in a different way, different presentation as the regular Thai food. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that not, I mean, from my experience, I never seen any Thai restaurant serving the food look like this. I mean, I, uh, even my friend, they not even thought that it's Thai food but once they taste it mm-hmm. they're like oh it reminds me of that oh, it feels like you're having this food in Thailand so I think that, that's the idea
1: yeah,
2: so, so tell us about your experiences with breakfast in Thailand. Could you you know, tell us a little bit about what you ate growing up? What's a typical breakfast like there?
4: That That's a good question when, when I heard about it because it's the first question that I asked myself before we designed all the brunch menu mm-hmm. at the Pinto Garden. Like what we have for breakfast and what people eating here for breakfast. Like when I was a kid... You know, I grew up with the, all the Western in, influence already. So my mom, sometimes they, she feeds me with the cornflake and milk. <laughs> you know, because it's rush, it's fast, it's yeah. easy for her. Um, but from time to time, I have the roti um, with the grilled banana and condensed milk, which is you can get anywhere in, on the street. Like, I don't think Thai people have specific um, brunch or specific item to eat. I think it's Asian country thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Japanese, they eat sushi in the morning. They don't care, right? So I think it's the same thing with Thai people. Thai people eat um, pork grill on the skewer with sticky rice because
2: mm-hmm.
4: it's grab food. You know, you can grab it, heat it up, and um, stop on the traffic and go yeah, to a school. Yeah, it seems
2: like it's a convenience. It thing is convenient,
4: to... easy. It's not like hard to prep and you know not too complicated. To yeah, eat. yeah.
2: Yeah, and how do you think that's different from here in the states? In the approach? states, that
4: people eat eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of eggs for the morning, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, in Thailand, we have what we call some restaurant or even a hotel. They call American breakfast, mm. which is in Thailand, and they serve eggs, bacon, sausage, um, toast. That's how people. How that's how we know, and that that's how we thought the people uh, American breakfast is gonna be. Um, but Thai people they eat eggs all day long. Mm-hmm. They have eggs menu for lunch. They have egg menu for dinner. Kongji um, they can eat in the morning, but they still eat like 3 a.m. in the morning as well. Like a late night after you hang over or whatever. Because we have like a vendors on the street that sell specific food. Uh, I think that people not, yeah. n- not have that mindset that they have to have Kongji in the morning.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, there's not such it. strict rules.
4: Yeah, there's no such a strict rule. They can have. Um, whatever they want
2: yeah for the morning so what are some qualities you feel like Thai people look for in breakfast food or the way they eat breakfast so we talked about like you know convenience like grab and go
4: one thing about Thai people um, they eat rice mm. in every meal in every single meal um, I have my friend like all my friends uh, when they go to eat like a you know, some certain franchise, restaurant, or fast food, Um, they didn't consider it as a meal. They always have, oh, this is like a snack. Or you may go to the fried chicken with the mashed potato, They, they thought that it's a snack. At the end, they have to go somewhere that provide rice. And they have to eat rice to fulfill them. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key ingredient. Like, even in the morning, they need to eat rice. And I think,
3: like, there's other Asian cultures that feel that way. Yeah.
4: (laughs) That you need rice to fulfill you. It's not a meal unless there's rice. Yes.
2: Yeah, I wish those calories don't count, too, right?
4: Oh, they don't care about it.
2: Oh, yeah. So, how often do you go back to Thailand?
4: I, well, to be honest, I haven't been back home for 10 years.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's been a while
4: since I opened a restaurant, actually. You know, restaurant You're working too hard. uh, Yeah, I would say. (laughs) But uh, I travel to Japan. I travel like half of the world, but I cannot make it to to Bangkok because it it takes longer. It takes too long. Yeah. Um, I need like at least a month or two to go Mm -hmm. back. But my family always come to visit me, so...
2: Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, and we actually had a question. We often see Thai iced coffee mm-hmm. on menus at Thai restaurants. Is this a typical morning beverage for Thai people, or if not, what do people drink with their breakfast?
4: I think they they eat they drink um, Thai iced coffee, Thai iced tea um, all day long because it's so hot in Thailand. So anything any iced drink, they they're probably okay with it. Um, they're not typical soy milk. They bring mm. soy milk yeah. for the morning. Yeah. yeah, they have like a fresh soy milk, uh, warm. Um, mm-hmm. So with the the roti with the banana or eggs mm-hmm. and the uh, what do they call in here? Is the one in Chinatown?
2: Oh, it is? like it the, what the, it fried is? Crullers? the fried crullers. The fried coolers, yeah.
4: In Thailand, it's you called jiao, patong go. Yeah, yeah. in
2: Chinese, yeah. yeah, totally.
4: So I think it's it, Chinese people and Thai people are very um, connected in mm-hmm. terms of the food and food influence.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back to talk more about Thai brunch.
0: This program is brought to you by Chef's Collaborative a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledged the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chef's Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chef's Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Feast Meets West. Today, we're in the studio with Chef Yo of Pinto Garden. So, Chef, let's describe um, how you've adapted some of the typical Thai breakfast foods for the New York audience. What have you done? What are some of the
0: food items?
4: I mean, it's it's. A, I start. So when I got the idea that I have to serve brunch and I've been talking with all my friends who are in the restaurant business, and they always said that nobody eats brunch at the Thai restaurant. They always go to any diners or any cafe. Um, I'm like, no, you can bring them here if you make something different. So as I said that we have to connect to the guests. We have to see what people are eating here and what we can blend in just slightly 20 or 30% of it in, in, into the food. Mm-hmm. So I still... I'm thinking like what American people favorite brunch. Definitely, the southern is kind of like the big huge for brunch in France. So, chicken and waffle have to be in the roll. Um, Shrimp and grits have to be in the roll. Mm -hmm. Um, So, those are two main, very um, outstanding dish to me for American breakfast that none of this in the world eat it. So, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to interpret or I'm going to change a little bit or have a Thai inference into it, what I can do that not change the total whole dish, that people can still enjoy what it is but have a sense of a little bit of Thai. Mm-hmm. Like for the chicken and waffle instead of buttermilk chicken and waffle, I put Thai herb in it. I put I make the lemongrass waffle to get like the um, the
2: flavors the flavor of it. Yeah.
4: And instead of maple syrup I made the um, lemongrass syrup to pour it on top so people can get and and smell aromatic of it. Or even the shrimp and grits. Um, Grits is like, to me, it's like congee. Mm. So that's the idea come up. And how are we going to make like congee to Thai? Um, In Thailand, we have, I remember my mom's feeding me the congee with tom yum. And I'm like, why don't we make the congee with tom yum Um, and lobster? Yeah. So that's how the idea came up.
2: It's like elevated, and it's like a bit spicy. And honestly, I think you need to spice things up for brunch a little bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah to I wake you it up. It's boring too. <laughs> Like the same, like you know, eggs and bacon yeah. and whatnot. What um, my favorite breakfast uh, dish that you served was your roti. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell, tell us about that.
4: So the roti is came up when, actually, this is not the plan, but um, my friend asked me about, uh, are you going to have a pancake for breakfast? I, in my mind, I already have waffle. I'm like, if I'm going to make pancake, um, what should I do? And I, I remember when I was a kid, I had roti with grilled banana. Uh, with palm sugar, and it will roll in the paper, and my mom always, like, grabbed me for, for that, and I, I can have it like a Pop-Tart in here in the morning. So I'm like, why don't I use a roti to chain it and stack it up and put the grilled banana in it and have, like, a fresh fruit, and make it look like a pancake.
2: Yeah, it totally looks like a pancake, but it's a surprise when you bite into it.
4: Yeah, because people, when people have, the, again, people always have expectation. When you say pancake, they will have texture in their mind, what the oh, pancake yeah. texture would be. Yeah. But instead of the regular um, batch that we do, we do the roti. So I think that's kind of like surprise guess because mm-hmm. we play with the same menu but use different things. It looks the same, but it's the texture is different, the flavor is different. So I think that's why it surprised the guests.
2: Yeah, I think this is where your like directorial and theater <laughs> abilities kick in. I
4: think probably the theater background helped me a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so, what's the feedback? Uh, feedback like so far?
4: The feedback is kind of like surprised. Like I didn't expect that this much feedback i'm mm. sure that as you mentioned it before that so many people including me like getting tired of brunch seen in new york um they always like oh going out there to get in line to have eggs like why but i mean brunch could be fun yeah um you can go out there and have drinks with your friends and have good food good eggs. you know um it you can spice that but you said
2: mm-hmm and so, what do you think are the most important aspects to keep in mind when making good Thai influenced breakfast food?
4: Um, I think it's it's most like any cuisine or anything that you make if you pick the good ingredients that will yeah, represent the dish nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to for the country, you have to put the nice rice in it, not just you know, the leftover rice. Um, you need a good stock. So if you have all the good ingredients, it will make your dish, even just a toast and butter. It could be good.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure. And it sounds like you also know which specific Thai ingredients to uh, pull out and really feature in every dish. So I think that's, like, pretty special, too. You can't, like, do everything. Yeah. You're, like, kind of focusing on a few...
4: You have to try it out, like many, many things. Uh, like, and you cannot stereotype food. Mm. I think that's the key. Once you stereotype, let's say, if you stereotype Thai food, it has to be spicy. Mm. So in your mind, you, have to, you will think that it has to be spicy. So then you will overpowder all the chilies and all the stuff because you think that it's spicy. So you yeah. cannot stereotype anything, uh, any food at all. If you stereotype French food, have has to be lots of butter, you're going to be over butter. So it has to just keep your mind open when Mm. you create any food, any dish, and not stereotype any cuisine. You just note the key ingredients that represent that cuisine, but not overuse it. Mm. I I think that's the key.
2: Yeah, that's a really good takeaway, not to stereotype food and keep an open mind. Do you think that the approach to how Asians eat breakfast will take off here in the U.S.?
4: You mean among Asian people? Uh, or, or like who?
2: among um, everyone. <laughs> I, think, I
4: think it's Especially in New York, people yeah. are more open-minded. You can go yeah. to Chinatown and see all people eating dim sum, mm-hmm. not just only Chinese or Asian people. Yeah, It used to be only Asian people. Also, like to. at
2: different times of the day as yeah. well. Yeah.
4: So I think people are more open-minded this day um, with all the technology that you can explore the world now, and people are more accepted. So... I think, in, to me, from now on, not zero Thai people, not zero Thai guests, you just, um, I think that's, that's the thing. Like, you cannot say that, oh, Asian people eat this more than the other people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's different.
2: Times um, are changing.
4: It is. <laughs>
2: um, so what are your hopes for the future of Thai breakfast and Thai brunch?
4: I think people will more accept it and will more open mind, as I said, and will explore more. Um, So you're not sure of Thai food that if you go to Thai restaurant, are you looking for a certain dish that your favorite only? You Mm -hmm. open mind to try something new. Um, And I think that's how that will help all the chefs want to create something. Mm-hmm. And I think that would make food industry develop. Yeah. Otherwise, i can going to have to cook pad thai in my life.
2: <laughs> right, right. You're taking up a new challenge. Um,
4: it, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and so what's next for you? What are your goals for the rest of the year? I think
4: for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, and what are the goals for Pinto Garden, too?
4: Just make the business work. <laughs> As you said, it's very challenging. Um, and then to, the, the, the long goal for this one, uh, because we use the local ingredients mm-hmm. and try to support all the local farmers and um, everyone. I think it's, it's time that all the small business have to help each other. Mm-hmm. That's how we try to I try to connect all the farmers um, around here to get the ingredients and support them um, to use in my restaurant as a small business as well. I think all the small business owners and everyone have to help each other otherwise you know you're gonna get like trouble
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like a reminder that you can make asian cuisine and thai cuisine with with the local goods that you get here yeah yeah for sure um thank you so much for joining us on the show chef yo thank you we learned a ton. um yeah and that wraps up our show for today If you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. There is also a ton of other great shows on Heritage Radio Network that you should definitely check out on heritageradionetwork.org. So go show them some love too. And we'll be back next week with more um, awesome conversations from the world of Asian food.